This Father's Day, the Home Depot has same-day delivery on the perfect gift to help dad be everything he can be. Because your dad is more than just a dad. He's groundskeeper of the yard, the perfecter of the patio, and the cleaner of the clippings. Let the Home Depot help power dad's doing with the convenience and gas-like power of Milwaukee cordless outdoor tools. Plus, get up to $150 off select Milwaukee tools. For everything dad is, find the perfect gift at the Home Depot. How doers get more done. Order select and stock items by 4 p.m. subject to availability. Welcome to NASCAR America, Carolyn Mano, Parker Clearman, and we have the mayor, Jeff Burton, with us from his garage as well. Man, it was a nice weekend. Got to relax a little bit, spotlight on the Xfinity and Truck Series. Jeff, how was the weekend? How was Father's Day? It was, Father's Day was great. I was in Iowa Saturday and Friday, and it was hot in Iowa, so I was kind of glad to get back home to North Carolina. Is that a sunburn I see? Just the That's remnants a hint of just red a little there. bit of redness. Yeah. What about I'm, you? I mean, actually, I'm just embarrassed. <laughs> What about you, Parker? Uh, I had a great weekend. You know what? I saw some great racing from where Jeff was out at Iowa Speedway. Two of the, you know, our, our top two series in NASCAR. With our top series off for the weekend, we got to see those two rise to the occasion and put on two awesome races. I know you love an opportunity to spotlight the Xfinity Series yep. of trucks, and that's what we're going to do on today's show. Here is what's ahead. A lot of stuff we're bringing you today. We're going to tell you about Dale Jarrett's son, Zach, who's continuing the family tradition of excelling in sports. But instead of a race car, his tools are a bat and a ball. More on that. We have a special edition of Scandal today featuring the race chatter of none other and our very uh, own I hope there's a Parker Kligerman. <laughs> I wish I had a mute button. Um, Parker's going to be back in a cup car this weekend for the first of two road course events on the schedule as well. So we're going to begin to look ahead to Sonoma. So a lot to look forward to. Like Parker just said, no cup drivers in the field for Sunday's Xfinity Series race at Iowa Speedway. Regulars with a chance to shine. We love that. And also a bigger chance to get into the playoffs with a win. So let's go back to the weekend and show you what happened. Jeff mentioned it. Man, was it hot. Temperatures in the 90s for fans at Iowa, but they did get a show, Parker. Christopher Bell started in the back after failing to get through inspection and qualifying, and he worked his way up through the field. Yeah, he had some red-hot speed and really felt like he was going to be a car that was going to be using that outside lane to move forward, but you see him here using the bottom lane, the non-preferred groove, which showed the speed he had in that 20 car, going by Elliott Sather and the one also passing Tyler Reddick here, and it was just impressive how much speed he was able to have in that first stage using the bottom lane. He'd go on to finish sixth in that stage. That's right. Justin Allgaier, Jeff, just really seemed to do everything right in this race. You see here catching Austin Sindrick, who's in the 22, makes a nice pass with two laps to go in stage one. A very aggressive pass. This is for a stage win, Carolyn, not an overall win. Made it three wide, very tight, kind of got in the side of Austin. And I think this was just him showing early he thought he had the car and he was going to be aggressive to do everything he could to win this race. He go on to win both stages on Sunday. So, Parker, it came down to Bell versus Allgaier, a battle, and we start at lap 150. And this was an awesome battle. You see Christian Bell once again trying to use that bottom lane, the non-preferred groove. Meanwhile, Justin Allgaier with a corn on his hood in the Iowa cornfields holds him <laughs> off using that top lane, and this battle would rage on for lap after lap. Yeah, 69 to go, and Bell tries again. Jeff just can't make it stick. I thought several times in lap traffic that uh, Justin, I mean, Algar just got in a place where it wasn't going to work for him, but he did a great job of holding Christopher Bell off, never made a mistake. You see right here, Christopher Bell way loose on the exit of turn four, will come into one to go. Game over right now. Great job, job by Justin just driving away. He gave it everything he had there, Christopher Bell, but it just wasn't enough. 
to get to Justin Algar. He tried very hard as you saw him sliding around. It was awesome. The fans certainly getting their money's worth, though. The day belonged to Algar. He would go on to win, which is such a nice Father's Day present with his wife Ashley there and their four-year-old daughter Harper in attendance as well. So Algar becoming the third driver this season to sweep all three stages in an Xfinity Series race. He joins Kevin Harvick and Joey Logano. Runner-up Christopher Bell had his best finish since winning Richmond back in April. Riley Herbst, we brought him uh, to the show last week, told you about him. He finished sixth in his series debut. And it was another impressive showing by Kaz Grella, who came home in 10th place. So here's how the Xfinity playoff picture looks after 14 races. Justin Allgaier joining Christopher Bell and Tyler Reddick as drivers who have virtually guaranteed themselves a playoff spot with a race victory. Ross Chastain leading Michael Annette for the final playoff spot by 24 points. So a dominant performance by Allgaier, and now he is in the playoffs after that first win of the season at Dover was essentially wiped away because of post-race inspection violations. The playoffs were off the table there. Now he locks them in. How important is the insurance that comes with this win for him? Well, it's very important because it's not about being able to get in the playoffs. If you look at the performance of the seven car and what they've been able to do the first half of this season, you know, they were going to make the playoffs on points. It would be a disaster if they didn't. But what this win does is it buys them that insurance as you get into the playoffs to maybe have an issue with those playoff points. So that's the important part for the seven car of Justin Algar, who's been a championship contender the last few years and is really looking a little bit more or a bit uh, faster than we've seen in the last couple of years. You know, he's kind of come to the playoffs with a win here and there, but we're watching the seven car go out there and really dominate races like he did this past weekend. And that's unusual. I've, I've been a friend of Justin's forever. I've been a teammate of his, and I've watched him for many years do the same thing over and over again, be at car that could find at times to be a contender, and now they're becoming a consistent contender for the win, which is impressive. Jeff, it seems like if you were a fan that was out at the racetrack this weekend and with the Cup guys out of the way for the time being, that you really got a chance to see the spotlight that was placed on some of these drivers, particularly because of the venue. I mean, how good of a day was this, of a weekend was this for this series? Well, I think it was a great weekend. You know, the, the, the races, both races were so good to watch, so fun to watch, and not just the last few laps. From the time you dropped the green flag until the time the checkered flag fell, there was unbelievable racing. And, and you know, going back to Justin Algaier, you know, it's a great battle between Christopher Bell and Justin. And, you know, when you think about Justin, like, I think he's better now than he was five years ago. Like, he's found a way to continue to improve and get better and better. Uh, there were times I thought he'd get himself in those moments, but the moments may have been too big for him. I don't feel like that now. I now feel like he can capitalize and – on a racetrack that you just mentioned, Carolyn, a very tight, slick, multiple groove. And I know multiple groove means you think you can just run all over the place, but you still have to be precise. And on a day where it was hot and slick, you had to be perfect. If he wasn't perfect, Bell beats him. I think that this racetrack let him show his ability. And it let two drivers just go at it. No cup drivers. You know, had somebody been out and I don't know if they would have or not. It looked like to me they were very fast. But let's just say Kyle Busch would have been there and he would have been five car lengths out or ten car lengths out. We would not have appreciated how good of a race this was. This was a great race between two guys going forward, and that's what we as race fans want to see. And, Jeff, that's why this racetrack has become so popular is because of what you just mentioned. It's allowing this multi-groove racing that we're seeing, and it's got everyone discussing, kind of like Brad Keselowski saying, why don't we bring the cup cars there? It'd be awesome, <laughs> he right? He wasn't the only one. Matt Benedetto was like, I cannot wait. You know, all these drivers kind of chiming in. They love this track. And it's, and you know what it is about this racetrack, at least what I believe it is? It's One, it's the design, which is a unique design, and two, that it's getting so worn out that it's allowing this multiple-groove racing 
racing with that unique design. So combined, you just don't see this kind of racing anywhere else, right? Where you have a track that almost is the size maybe that you would think of a short track in some respects, but even allows the drivers to carry speed more akin to a speedway of, of sorts. So it's just this unique racetrack that puts on this great racing, which is why so many of the cup drivers are thinking, why don't we go there? It'd be awesome. Jeff, what was your reaction when you saw some of the feedback from some of the drivers like Brad, you know, saying, oh man, we wish we could go to this track? Well, number one, it makes me really happy that they're watching the races, right? Because, you know, they're on their off weekend. They could be doing other stuff, but they still love racing enough. They're going to watch the races. And I think that's awesome. Uh, there is no doubt that this racetrack, this style of racetrack is what we need more of. The sport needs more of it. Uh, all this effort that we've been talking about with the all-star package, all that is in an effort to try to create races like we saw on Saturday and on Sunday. And, and or Friday or Saturday, rather. And that's really what we as fans want to see. We want to see that close action. No one has to have three wide for 20 laps in a row, but we want to see guys be able to go at it and try, try different ways to get around somebody and restarts matter and what you do on the 20th lap matter and what you do on the 50th lap. We all, everything's got to matter. And on this racetrack, that's the way it is. And, you know, kudos to Rusty Wallace. He was part of the, the group that designed it. Uh, took, the, took Richmond and said, okay, how can we make Richmond better? And that's how they came up with, with this racetrack. And uh, what a great job. Uh, I, I have to tell you, you know, we hear a lot of people say, listen, we don't want to see cup drivers. We want to see good short track racing. Uh, and they got that. And, but it was so hot that just not as many people came out to see it. But those that did come out, they saw a great race. The people that saw it on TV, they saw a great race. But you know, to the fans, like, if this is what you want to see, come to the racetrack, man. Like, be there. Show your support. Because if you didn't get what you wanted this weekend, then you're asking way too much. That was one of the topics that we discussed with Pete Pistoni on the show last week, is that if racing fans want to see more of the Xfinity showcase these drivers and have the cup guys be out of the picture, that the onus is on them to show up and really support these efforts. Yeah, and it's an interesting discussion because when this racetrack was first built, and we've seen it many times over, where they get an Xfinity race or a truck series race, we see really big crowds to start. And then for whatever reason, even when a track is as good as this one, it's putting on as good racing as we're seeing and it's maybe doing fine even the tv ratings they don't get the same at track attendance and i think it's unfortunate what you saw weather wise as jeff was saying it was a million degrees basically <laughs> out there in the hot sun you can understand how you didn't want to sit out there but it really does fall on the fans you know if you want to see these races if you want to see no cup drivers in the xfinity series in the truck series you've got to come out and support the races and i find it funny because when we have some of the other standalones, which say a road course like Road America or Truck Series that goes the most sport up in Canada, they get massive crowds to those races. And I know we don't go road coursing racing very often, so that's why they come out maybe. But this is the same type of thing. These are unique races. They need support, Jeff. Yeah, Parker, they do need support. And I, I think, you know, we debate this all the time about cup drivers being in the Xfinity Series and the Truck Series. And I think this is an example. People want to see the superstars. They obviously want to understand who the up-and-coming guys are, uh, who, you know, they, they, they like Elliot Sadler because of what he did. They like the Algar story. All those things are for real, and they like it. But you still, you know, you, people want to see the all-stars. They want to see the biggest names in the sport. And, you know, that's where this always teeters. Like, what's the proper balance? I think right now it's a really good balance because if Cub drivers wanted to be there, they could have been. And, and they chose not to be, which is fine. That's their decision. So, I think that the balance is always going to be debated, but there's no doubt that the racing we saw this weekend is what this sport was built on, and we just need to find a way to have more of it.
And I would just love to know if Kyle Busch was in the field this past weekend, would the crowd have been any different? That's what I want to know going forward. Well, I don't know if you'll ever prove it. So. Well, yeah, I don't think we do have a way, but it's yeah. still a good question to ask, and it was great this weekend to see them um, on center stage. If you're interested in going out to the racetrack or if you want to watch it on television, the Xfinity Series does return to action on Saturday, June 30th at Chicagoland Speedway. So if you're in the area, check it out. But you can also see that race right here on NBCSN as well. Um, coming up, the Jarrett's are synonymous with success on the track, but one family member is adding to their winning legacy on the diamond. We're going to introduce you to DJ's son, Zach Jarrett, when NASCAR America returns. NASCAR America is brought to you by Mobile One Annual Protection. Proven protection for 20,000 miles. Hey, if you want to go to the movies this weekend, the movie event of the summer is Jurassic World Fallen Kingdom with Chris Pratt and Bryce Dallas Howard. It is in theaters this Friday. I remember being very miserable in, 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 in some weeks after a bad race or just running bad before I had Taylor or Molly or any of the kids there. It was, it was miserable, and it was miserable for a few days, but now, I mean, she doesn't know, a, you know, she knows the good days from bad days, but she's so positive all the time that, it, you know, it's infectious and you can't help but, you know, smile even though you don't want to. I think what, what being a father has changed for me is my outlook and the way I don't carry things so far into the week after a race weekend. I think kids help, you know, just keep you on a level playing field um, through the highs and the lows. And certainly Daytona this year, um, being a half a lap away from winning the Daytona 500, it hurt. But the kids, they wouldn't have treated me any different anyway, you know, and they would still get up on Monday morning ready for school and expect me to help them get their lunches packed. And so that part, it keeps it real. And I think that that certainly helped me, you know, dealing with losing the Daytona 500 is that at the end of the day, that would just be um, an asterisk next to who I am. You know, I'm first and foremost, I'm Alex and Abby's dad. You see what being a father means to cup drivers, and our Hall of Famer Dale Jarrett knows something about that. DJ is one of NASCAR's famous sons. His father, Ned, is one of the sport's all-time greats. And now, Dale has the pleasure of watching his own son, Zach, pursue his dream of making it big. But Zach is not interested in setting goals on the racetrack. The baseball diamond is where his dream lives. For more on that, here's Nate Ryan. The two words that best describe Ned Jarrett are dedication and devotion. He is devoted to his family, dedicated to the sport of stock car racing, and to the business. Well, I have three children. My oldest son, Glenn, he really does not have a desire to become a race driver. But Dale, he seems destined to become a race driver. My dad, he never pushed it on me. I did that with my kids, too. From the moment Zach Jarrett was born, he was cheering for his father, Dale, who would later become a NASCAR champion and Hall of Famer. Growing up around the track was pretty cool. Uh, it was something that not many people get to experience. It was sort of our lifestyle for the first probably half of my life. Not many people get to say you saw your dad win a championship. Dale Jarrett has won the NASCAR Winston Cup Championship for 1999. But Zach didn't share the same love of NASCAR shared by his father Dale and grandfather Ned. Another passion was growing within him. 
you know, everybody was like, well, you know, he's going to want to race. And, and, you know, we got him go-karts, but it was never something that he said, this is what I want to do. He loved to go to the racetrack with me, just like I did with my dad. But his grandfather, Kelly's dad, he would explain the game to him, and, and they could just sit and watch. It's something that they had. Zach's maternal grandfather, the late Jack Spears, played 11 years for the Brooklyn Dodgers organization. It was Spears who planted the early seeds for Dale to help grow. I was like wondering if that was something that was sort of expected of me because, I mean, you see so many of the driver's kids get into it. And you see Chase Elliott now running, Ryan Blaney, kids that I grew up with all racing now and doing great. There's something about baseball that really stuck out and that I grew a love for and wanted to see how long I could play for. One of the first times that I remember is after a race. I was tired, but he wanted to go, you know, hit baseball. And so that's what we did. I knew right then that, you know, this was something that he wanted to do and he had a passion for. For a while, I said, my reflexes are good enough, I can stop whatever he hits here. But he got to hitting it so hard that one day I found out that I couldn't. And I'm not sure that I don't still have that bruise. Today, Zach is 23 years old and an all-star in the minor leagues with the Delmarva Shorebirds, taking a swing at a new sport, a new dream, a new road for the Jarrett family. Delmarva player, we'll call him Zach Jarrett. <laughs> Thank you. Well, he, he's all about it. I mean, even seeing him travel through college, came every weekend to where we were, even stopped working a little bit more, and was really dedicated to come out and watch me play every time. How you, buddy? Good. And uh, I think he still lives through me with the competitiveness and even just wanting to get better each time because he, he's always looking for ways to help me get better. You have to have a, a tremendous passion to want to do this, and that's where his heart is taking him, and he is following that. I think there's a time where you sort of question yourself. A part that I took from my dad is being able to have the self-confidence to push through those times. Now that he's going to number 10, Zach, Jerry. There's a feeling I get inside watching him that I used to get before I was getting ready to drive a race car. It's just a tremendous thrill every time that I see him come up to the plate. Zach cracks one deep into left field. Forget about this one. Turn and watch it go. All right, thanks to Nate Ryan for that as well. Zach's team, the Delmarva Shorebirds, is a single-A affiliate of the Baltimore Orioles, in fact. And it's also one of 14 teams that make up the South Atlantic League. And a percentage of these teams are actually located in towns that have deep, deep NASCAR ties. In fact, one of them is actually located in the Jarrett's hometown of Hickory, North Carolina. You know what is funny about this, Jeff, is a lot of people know Dale Jarrett as a NASCAR Hall of Famer, a larger-than-life personality. I really know him as DJ and as Zach's dad. Yeah. Because every time I see him around, here we're talking about Zach he is so passionate about his baseball career and it's so fun to be able to spotlight that relationship that way and it's so fun to, to talk to DJ about his children you know what I mean he always tells you what his girls are doing what his son's doing uh, he has a passion for for them having an opportunity to do what they want to do and and in Zach's case it's baseball and and Dale's 100% behind all of them and, and when you hear him talk about his kids uh, he never brags about his kids. He he always uh, his typical uh, Jarrett family attitude. You know, well we could be better. Very humble, but but you can see the passion and the love he has for his children and the time he wants to spend with them and the things he does to make sure he spends time with them. He 
He is a great dad. There's no doubt about that. He also tells me, Parker, on a number of occasions how competitive the entire family is, <laughs> they which are makes very a lot of sense. And I, I love how you bring that up because I know DJ is Zach's dad as well because it's always what we're talking about. No matter <laughs> where we are or what, where, what game he's coming and from. And his girls, too. Like and Jess his girls, said, all yes. The time. But I think, uh, you know, the cool thing to me is that, you know, I, I grew up in a family that didn't have any ties to racing. And my parents ended up supporting me through a, a dream of mine that they had no idea what they were getting themselves into. And I think I see some of that a little bit of DJ and the baseball thing is that, you know, it's not something that came second nature to him. It was something new. It's something that he saw in Zach that he identified in early age and said, all right, I'm going you know, to support you in doing this. And he's done that the whole way through. And so I just have a great respect for him doing that. Yeah, absolutely. Um, let's spend a little bit of time talking about your son now, Jeff, while we're doing a Father's Day <laughs> yeah, full-on brag session. Uh, he raced Harrison uh, on Saturday at Iowa. We mentioned that earlier. Truck series taking center stage. So let's take a little back, Jeff, and see um, how your son did. By the way, Harrison Burton won his first career poll, and he would go on to lead the first 30 laps of the race. How's that for bragging rights? Well, Parker is clear he did not get his qualifying skills from his father because <laughs> I was terrible at qualifying. Oh, you must have been so proud. Hard on um, yourself. Lap 135, though, by the way, because it was a great race. Matt Kraft in the 88 slide into John Hunter Nemechek here. This caused a massive wreck. Yeah, we saw everyone using all the lanes here, but then Matt Kraft would try to use all of them at once, which he'd get into John Hunter Nemechek. It would turn out he most likely had his left front tire going down there. As you see that car take a violent, or truck, sorry, violent turn up to the right, and it Ben Rhodes and uh, Stuart Friesen were just the innocent bystanders in that race. So Crafton ending up in 26th place there. Um, and then on the final lap, Jeff, Noah Gragson in the 18 going for broke here. Well, multiple groove racetracks open the door for a lot of things, and this is one of them. Driving the corner really deep, trying to slide in front of somebody. Noah overshot it just a touch, but great effort. Hey, it was a NASCAR heat move there, the video game move a little <laughs> bit, trying to bounce it off the wall, but the win goes to Brett Moffitt, the hometown boy. And this was a huge win for this race team because Brett has been very vocal about the fact that they do not have sponsorship for the full season. So getting their second win can hopefully propel this team to finding that sponsorship and be able to run for a championship. It's just a huge opportunity. And I bet you, Jeff, I mean, not to, you know, belabor the point, but that Harrison was really just thrilled. I mean, where is that rate for you in terms of a good Father's Day gift, just having a great performance from one of your kids? Well, I, I think what, what you want as a, as a father or a mom or whatever is just your kids to be able to do what they want to do. And Harrison has a real passion for racing. And as Parker will tell you, every time you take a step up, it gets harder. And, and uh, this year in the trucks, he ran very well at Dover. They ran very well here. And as he stepped up, he stepped his program up too. And that's, that's been a lot of fun to watch. No doubt. And I think some of just working with Harrison a little bit, Jeff, and yourself, one thing I've identified about Harrison that really impresses me is his ability to kind of work on the speed gradually and find that speed in races and find a way to work forward. And, you know, I, I think back to Dover, where you guys didn't maybe have the best truck to start the race, but by the end of the race, he was a top five truck. And that's so rare for a young kid to do that, and he does it so well. And isn't it so important for a weekend like this to have a great finish at the end of that race, like the one we saw in trucks? I mean, that's, you know, it was awesome. all you I could mean, want. It, it was both, you know, the Xfinity race and the truck race. This is what everyone was talking about. It was just these awesome finishes, and we saw these battles that just went lap after lap. I mean, Brett Moffitt and Noah Gregson there battled for uh, 15 laps or so. It was incredible. And then this move at the end where Noah just sails it off in there yeah. trying to clear Brett. And maybe, you know, it's up. I think Jeff was hoping that maybe they'd get together there <laughs> selfishly and Harrison could take the win. But I think that was just a cool move that, you know, if you were in the stands, you had to think, wow, that is what we know about, we know and love about NASCAR racing. And that's what we want to see week in, week out. No, the mayor is yeah, unbiased. I'm <laughs> Am I right? Yeah. No, I'm not. Um, but, 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 you know, Parker, the cool thing about this, that race and, and Saturday's race is that, you know, a lot of focus has been played on 
that last lap move by Noah. But the last 20, 25 laps of that race were three trucks that were really equally matched and every, just everybody digging really hard trying to find a way. And those three trucks were just kind of locked. And there were times they were separated by a half a truck length between all three cars in between, the tr in between them. And, man, that's just fun to watch. And, and whether it's my son was involved or not, if my son was in the race and he was running eighth, I would have been watching the race for the win because it's so, it was so much fun to see if somebody was going to make a mistake, uh, if somebody was going to make that slide job move that, that we've seen at this racetrack. And it just, it's, it's captivating to watch drivers just go at it with a shot to win a race. And, Jeff, you said earlier in the show you, you wanted to see, or people want to see three wide for 20 laps straight. Well, I basically saw it this past week in Iowa many times, as you mentioned. It was incredible watching them run every single lane on the racetrack. All right. Well, coming up next, we're going to see if the people want to see and hear more of Parker Clear. Oh, no, definitely not. <laughs> yeah. No, if, this is if very If by yes. some very strange yes. chance you have ever wondered what Parker Clickerman sounds like on a scanner, it is your lucky day because a special edition of Scandal is coming your way next. Today's My Home Track takes us to the famed Eldora Speedway for a Saturday night showdown between Kyle Larson and an Ohio racing legend. Off of turn number four, Larson's clicking to the hills. Big move for the lead at turn one. Kyle Larson back to the lead. For the seventh time of his career, Kyle Larson is an all-star winner. Second to Dave Blaney and third to Tim Schaefer. Climbing out of the car, he's going up top. How about it for Young Money? Well, anytime you can win a race here at Eldora, uh, and it's extra satisfying. I think this is this now makes me you know, where I've won in every single car that I've ran here at Eldora. So, uh, and I don't think I've ran 10 races here, so this is uh, pretty special. So here's what Kyle Larson had to say after the race. It was really neat getting to battle one of the true legends of sprint car racing, Buckeye Bullet, which is Dave Blaney, Ryan Blaney's father, a night I'll never forget. So then Ryan, who's on vacation, says, a super cool race to watch. Congrats. Pops made you work for it, which I love. How great That's is awesome. that that he's on yeah. vacation, Parker? Still catching up with his dad. Yeah, he's catching up with his dad. And honestly, his dad was right in the mix behind uh, Larson, one of the greats. So normally when I toss to the scan all feature, you are not over here. But we're no. making an exception today because I'm uh, this entire scandal <laughs> features you. Yeah, this is quite uh, interesting. I haven't seen it either, so I'm really excited mm -hmm. to see what you guys pulled out of that and if you have the appropriate bleep button times. Okay, yeah, so. we, we followed Parker for the month of May. Finally, he just twisted our arms to make a scandal <laughs> just all about him. So here it is, scandal, Parker Kligerman. Thank you. <laughs> I'm hoping to give you guys a better idea of what a small team like mine goes through on a weekly basis. We focus on quality over quantity. So, you know, we might only have two or three full-time employees, but our goal is that when we show up, it's a race that we feel like we can win. All right, fine hole. Hey, The only person I spot for in the truck series is Parker Klingerman. And man, I mean, it's, it's just a lot of fun. Earl is like a big brother, I would say, in some respects. He's great, we just have a great relationship. We have so much fun on the radio. He just keeps me calm, he keeps it light, he makes me laugh, it's, it's, it just makes it a great time. Driver in front of you, complaining about you, pushing a little too hard. just come out four or five, six races a year and be a uh, contender for wins. 
he does so well with very little track time and just gets right back into the swing of things. Hey guys, thanks for your hard work. Thank you guys for the opportunity. Appreciate it. I'll do my best down here. You do your best down there. Let's go get us the monster. All right, big man. Face cars off along the flag. Green, green, green. Parker Kligerman on the move. He moved inside, and Todd Gill went through one and two. Doing a great job, man. Maybe move that corner back a little bit. Your drive off is a lot better than most. Kligerman with the advantage. He pulls into the lead. Sauter to second. Look at you. 75 up there starting to smoke a little bit. Just be on your toes. That's the oil. Get him off. Yeah, it's coming out left front. Real opening. You see it? Smoke smoking here. Sorry, dude. He'll make it. 24 is getting up on his windshield. It's really making us lose back here. I got oil everywhere. But we are all streaming. If that was me, I'd be parked five laps ago. Displays the black flag to Parker Kligerman, who is running in the second spot. We actually had the steering box. It punched a hole in the oil core, and it was just slowly leaking oil out. Something wrong. Shut it off. Shut it off. Shut it off. Okay. Uh, I'm sorry, boys. We're done. I was doing everything I could to make it sound, from the inside at least, that there was no issue. Uh, I knew there was an issue. The smoke got so bad, I was like, all right, there's no way we're hiding this anymore. This is uh, this is pretty obvious. We're pretty public about the fact that we are blowing up. Biggest thing is, is just his outlook and his attitude about the whole thing. He's, he's much a realist. He and I have a friendship that goes back a few years, so he knows that I'm giving him everything I can possibly give him, and I know for 100% sure he's giving me everything every lap. I just learned qualifying is canceled, so we will be starting in the back. Thankfully, we're in the race. I think if we didn't win Taudega, we would not be in this race. I really can't talk to you about you know what to do. Baby, line it up. No pressure. The green is waving. There you go. That was a good corner now. Do it again. A major issue. Huge vibration. That's coming apart. There's a lot of vibration on the shifter handle. Yes, shifter handle. Driving through it the best I can. The more I stay in the throttle, the better. Try to pull that left turn fender right there at 2 o'clock out. Just a little bit. Come on, let's go. It'll be fine. Let's go. Let's go. Parker, we can't find anything loose or anything wrong in the right front, but it appeared that the right front was loose right there. Is that correct, guys? Yes, okay. Kligerman's had a fast truck tonight and has driven from the back twice. Coming to the checkers. Good job. Seventh place. Good recovery, guys. This right here, we had to work for every bit of it, and I appreciate every one of you. All right, Parker K, 600 miles, man. Keep communicating all night long. We're gonna have a great, great race. Good boy, boss, man. Thank you. Rolling, rolling green. Oh, Parker Kligerman. He's coming here, he's coming. Guys, we got the wall a little bit, three and four. He was in for just a little bit, not long. It's all good, man. We'll keep, uh, we'll keep working on it. I got the brakes figured out for you. And that 18 is just flying. Good, I had him on my fantasy team. I was wondering why you've been getting out of his way of geezer and everybody else. Oh, yeah, yeah. Doing a good job, man. We're up to P27. I just had my first plate of food in a race car. How was it? Frankly, terrible. Hi, man. Check the flag. Wasn't pretty, but we made it to the end. Good job. Thank you guys for the opportunity. Parker, great job, man. Everybody, awesome job all weekend. Yeah, not bad for a TV guy. 
loved that <laughs> and for a couple yeah. reasons. One, because it really shows how gracious you are. I know that about you and how appreciative you are of the opportunity and the chemistry that exists between you and Earl. But also, it's just such a different look with Scannell as it relates to how difficult it can be for teams that aren't funded as well to put everything together on race day. Yeah, it was one of our coworkers, Mark Trainer, who put that together. He did an excellent job. I really appreciate it. Thank you for putting that together. And it was cool you know, for me to see because that's a lot of perspectives and, and different things that, you know, especially with those scandals, I, I always find it funny that they pull things out of those that I'll be like, I never said that. There's no way. I don't remember that. And they, you know, that was on record because they have it all recorded. So that was cool. I think it was a great look at the small teams and what we go through week in and week out on some of these smaller teams and especially in the truck series with the Food Country USA team. You know, when we show up, I can't stress enough, we are there to win a race. That's all we care about. So running well is cool, but as a small team, one thing matters and one thing only, and that is getting a trophy and winning. And I think uh, you got a good glimpse into our thought process there and how we go about it, which is it's fun with Chris Carrier, my crew chief there, and it's a great small team, but we are very serious about trying to win races. Yeah. Jeff, what did you think? Well, first of all, Parker and his team in that truck series, they do such a good job that uh, everyone knows that Parker and his team don't have the funding of, say, Kyle Busch Motorsports or you know, some of the bigger teams, but when they roll in there, everybody knows they're going to run well, and they all have to watch Parker because, you know, unfortunately, Parker's never had a chance to really drive, you know, top-notch cup equipment, so people don't give Parker the credit that he deserves. Parker's a really good race car driver with really good skills and a good, and a good mindset. So he goes into, that, into Dover, for example, running that truck, knowing he's competing against people that perhaps have more money, but he doesn't care. He brings the effort as if he has as much money as they do. And, and they kind of are, you know, the, it's the David and Goliath story, right? And they're, they're, it's just like they relish the moment. Like they're going to try to knock you off and, 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 and take your trophy from you. And that's cool. I mean, that's what the essence of racing is. And Parker and that team do a wonderful job. But it, it takes people with the right mindset. And Parker's done an unbelievable job of just, you know, not, not taking – uh, criticism, well, not, criticism is not a word, but not going into a race saying, you know what, we don't have enough money, so we can't win. It's more like, you know what, we don't have enough money, so we're going to win. And I think that's awesome. <laughs> yeah. Like, thank you, Jeff. I appreciate that. And you brought up a good point, which is, you know, we go to those races in that 75 truck. It's, it's a point of pride sometimes. Like when we won Talladega last year, knowing that we've gone there, you know, we only have two full-time employees. We're a small team. We have maybe half the budget of some of the bigger teams out there, and yet we go out and find a way to win and run up front and be one of the most competitive trucks every time we show up. And, and knowing that people take notice, you know, they come up to you in the garage and think, hey, you guys are doing a great job, or, you know, they ask us for advice sometimes. And it's, it's an incredible feeling to go out there and kind of be in that David versus Goliath situation and sometimes underdog. be successful. So I that's love it. I love an underdog. And you know yes. what? From some of the voices that we normally hear in skin, all they could take a lesson for how to appreciate <laughs> an opportunity when they're given one because sometimes it gets a little bit more tense. Great job. Yes, thank you. Um, all right, coming up, we are going to turn our attention to the Cup Series. Fifteen races in and two drivers have been dominant so far. So is this pattern going to continue? We'll ask our experts when we come back in our Victory Lane Review. Welcome back, everybody. The Cup Series returns to action this Sunday at Sonoma Raceway. So here is what the playoff standings look like going into the weekend. Six drivers have virtually guaranteed themselves a spot with a victory. Alex Bowman holding a slim 
four-point advantage over Ricky Stenhouse and Paul Menard for that final spot. Eleven races until the playoffs begin, and so far we have seen only a handful of drivers able to find victory lane. Kyle Busch and Kevin Harvick have won a staggering 60% of the races so far. So let's take a look back at what's transpired this season with our victory lane review. The long wait to return is over. It has simply been a lights-out performance. Has now conquered every active track. It continues to be such a dominating season. Feels like you guys are unbeatable or untouchable. This seems like a whole extra level on top of that. We know that we're riding a momentum wave. Wins number 38, 39, and 40 go back to back to back. That's how you rebound and just show them how it is right there. And all you haters, I see you. He blew the field away. And for the fifth time this year, Kevin Harvick wins. You got this Oh yeah, boys, how about that? That was cool. Now it feels like a game. You want to see how many races you can win. You've had a great start of the season, obviously, without getting a win. We're right there. We're knocking on the door. We're trying. He won at Texas. He won at Bristol. And tonight, he will win at Richmond Raceway. Hell yeah. Pat on the back, everybody. Pretty cool to win three in a row. I mean, that's really special. From beginning to end, it's been the Kyle Busch show as he has been absolutely perfect. Kyle Busch wins for the first time in Charlotte. Go 600, guys. Yeah. Ever since I was a kid, I dreamt of this, man. Is there a big three now? Can we kind of say that about you after today? Not if you want to. How about this? For sure, it's victory lane, baby. Easily destroying the field. Hell yeah, you're the man. So much talk this season about the Kyle and Kevin show. Special guest star at Pocono, Martin Truex Jr. Oh, champ, bring on down here to the line. Hell yeah, buddy! This thing was hot rod out front. Holy cow. I sure hope they got a lot of angling in victory lane. We're going to drink it all. Our race-winning driver, Clip Boyer. Can you believe it? Say that again. One more race time. Race-winning driver, Clip ah. Boyer. And I would say, let the party begin. Woo! <laughs> yeah, finally! Yeah, 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 yeah! That's it! Woo! NASCAR has just told us the race is official. <laughs> We're back, baby. So, Jeff, Martin Truex Jr. and Clint Boyer have shown potential that they could very well be legitimate title contenders, more so Kyle Busch and Kevin Harvick just dominating the first portion of the season. Is there any reason in your mind that that is not going to continue moving forward? Well, they're going to continue to be threat to win races and a threat to win championship. There, there's no doubt about that. The question is who's going to step up and, and, and go with them? Uh, I don't see Kevin Harvick. I don't see uh, – Kyle Busch all of a sudden not running well. I don't see that happening. But I do see an emergence of some other teams putting pressure on them. I, I, I still can't believe that uh, some of the Chevy teams won't find a way to perform better in the second half of the year. Uh, you know, Clint Boyer, you mentioned him. I mean, I think he's starting to come on strong. So they're going to have to up their game. They can't continue to run the way they're running, even though they've been dominating and be good enough. So they're going to have to step up because the challenge is coming from somewhere. No doubt. And you know one thing that's interesting about this is that I think the reason this has happened is something that has happened within the sport rules-wise and why the cars are suiting Kyle Busch and Kevin Harvick's driving style so well. And that's why they're just that little bit better than just about the entirety of the field. But there's also two ways to look at this. You could lament the fact that we don't have the parity that we're used to, right, in the Cup Series, having multiple, almost ten winners at times play this portion of the season. And then you... But you could also look at saying we might be in for one of those 
epic battles between two titans of the sport if this continues throughout the entire season, right? If these two just emerge to be the top two week in and week out all the way through the season, we could see one of those rivalries that we've just maybe not had recent years because we've had such parity. So I think that's the interesting part for me. I do believe they will continue. I believe they will be the standard of the series. They will be the best of the best week in, week out, and it's going to be up to others to rise up and maybe try to beat them. Yeah, two veterans going at it all the way down the line from the beginning of the season to the end could be really fun. Uh, we are going to focus uh, coming up on NASCAR's um, focus on, um, what am I trying to say? NASCAR was in the America's Heartland <laughs> this past weekend. With it. What am I trying to say? Uh, Le Mans. Le Mans is what I was <laughs> saying that we're going to focus on. We come back. We'll show you a 24 hours of grueling racing. Yeah, that went well, I thought. <laughs> Welcome back. In case you haven't heard, Dale Earnhardt Jr. is joining the NBC NASCAR broadcast team. It all gets underway July 1st, live from Chicagoland. We simply cannot wait. That is just 13 days from now, in case you're officially counting down. While we're talking about our new colleague, the Dale Jr. download drops on Tuesday, as it usually does. We're going to bring you the highlights of that on our show tomorrow, so we'll take a listen to the download. And then on Wednesday, Jr. is back at the Big Oak table as Wednesdays with Dale Jr. makes its triumphant return. We've got Christopher and Dale Jarrett in the house for that as well. So Krista and the two Dales. And then Thursday, the debut of the Dale Jr. Download TV show right here on NBCSN. So we're going to bring you a full half hour from Junior every Thursday at 5.30 p.m. right here on NBCSN as soon as we wrap up NASCAR America. So we're very excited to have Junior in the house with us for all that. He is getting ready for his broadcasting debut as we speak. Meantime, on Sunday, one of racing's greatest traditions was renewed in the 86th running of the 24 Hours of Le Mans. All lies run Formula One superstar Fernando Alonso, who is making his Le Mans debut with Toyota's number eight team. Alonso's overnight drive gave him a chance at victory, and his teammate, Kazuki Nakajima, later put their car in the lead. In the end, it was the A-team of Nakajima, Alonso, and Sebastian Buemi taking the victory as Toyota finally conquered the world's biggest sports car race. For Alonso, he now adds Le Mans to his two Monaco Grand Prix wins, only the Indianapolis 500 remaining in that quest to complete motorsports triple crown. You will be seeing much more sports car racing next year as IMSA joins the NBC Sports family. IMSA drivers and teams were well represented at the front of the Le Mans field, and among them, Chip Ganassi Racing, which earned a podium finish in the GTE Pro Class. What did you see that really stood out to you at this race? Well, first of all, it was incredible for Toyota to finally get that victory, as you said, because they've tried for so many years, been so close. We saw a couple years ago the heartbreak they had in the last waning bits having the car fail. And so I was almost biting my fingernails a little bit, watching them go around, even though they were 1-2 and they had this huge lead and a lot of their competitors obviously pulled out before the race. Uh, it still seemed like what could possibly go wrong for Toyota. And then they actually got it done finally. And with a bit of a star inside that car in Fernando Alonso, who's going going for this triple crown that you want so much. I think he should make it a four crown, though, and go for the Daytona 500, too. Really? I'm the first one put out there. I'm That's, just saying, look, whoa. there's no triple crown. It needs to be a four crown. That is way too bold of a prediction for the show, but I like it. Uh, yeah. When we come back, we are going to turn our attention back to the Cup Series. We mentioned that there were so few winners this season so far, so what is the strategy for the rest of the guys, the bubble drivers? We're going to talk about it when we come back. Stay with us. NASCAR America is brought to you by Mobile One Annual Protection. Proven protection for 20,000 miles. 
Welcome back, everybody. So at this point in 2017, there were 10 different race winners at the cup level, but none of them were named Kevin Harvick or Kyle Busch. And then if you fast forward to the other side right now, those same two drivers dominated. They have nine wins combined, and they've left some room for just four other drivers to record victories. Six different winners this year are the fewest through 15 races since 1996. I am fascinated by this, Jeff. Because what a difference a year makes. You have Jimmy Johnson at the very top of that list in 2017. Harvick and Kyle Busch nowhere to be found. Now you've got a situation where points are going to come into play for a number of drivers right around that bubble. I mean, what is the strategy here right now if you're one of the other guys that hasn't been dominant so far this year? Well, I think the pressure's turned up on, on many drivers. You know, you think about Ryan Newman last year. He won early in the year at Phoenix. Uh, this year he has not won, obviously, and he's pretty far back in points. Uh, they typically have pointed point themselves into the playoffs, but this year they got a lot of ground to make up, and that pressure is on them right now. They've got to start it now. And then you look at some of the younger drivers. You look at Alex Bowman. Uh, he's sitting right there in 16th. Uh, you know, the pressure is going to start mounting on him. Eric Jones, uh, they thought they had a really good shot last year to make it. They had a, a bad few races late in the regular season and didn't, didn't get it done. So the pressure is right now. I mean, it, it – there's no way around it. With this many winners versus last year, these points are going to go further back. It's going to give more people an opportunity, which means the pressure is going to be turned up for more people. And, Jeff, look at Chase Elliott there. 35 points to the good. Only two bad races could mean he finds himself on the outside looking in. And for Hendrick Motorsports as a whole, when you look at Jimmy Johnson, Chase Elliott, obviously Alex Bowman right now in the bubble, and William Byron very far out, 54 points out, it could be disastrous if they were to have a series of bad races and not find themselves getting into victory lane before these playoffs because they're in a position where they really need to focus on these points right now because this could be the difference between making the playoffs or not when a Ricky Stenhouse Jr. or Paul Menard finds himself going to victory lane. And even that one car down there is really interesting to me. He had a abysmal start this season, Jim McMurray. Finds himself now 48 points out, and I just think that he's really on a session right now. He's, mo he's climbing very quickly, and so he has to be worrying someone like Alex Bowman and Ricky Stenhouse. So how do you balance, um, Jeff, quickly, just kind of last thoughts here, Taking on risk, gambling, making calls, going for race wins versus, I mean, trying to figure out the point situation if you're one of these guys. Well, Carolyn, I think the key to, to being successful long-term in, in this sport is you have to be who you are. So if Jamie McMurray looks at where he is in points at this time of the year and says, okay, I've got to change who I am and try to become something different, it's probably not going to work out well for you. You've got to be who you are. You've got to race to your personality. Now, you need to understand your situation but it's probably too early to be trying to change what you do. Now, from a crew chief standpoint, if you're Jamie Murray's crew chief, if you're, if you're a crew chief, say Ryan Newman's the crew chief that I mentioned earlier, you're going to gamble a little bit to try to get that win because you're far enough back in points where, you know, a couple bad races and you're out of it. So I think it changes it for the crew chiefs, for the drivers. I just think they got to be who they are. All right. Uh, that's it for today's NASCAR America. Are you going to be okay that we don't feature you next week in the schedule? You know, I'll make it through. Okay, because we're probably going to turn our Maybe attention to Sonoma. You'll have to because I'll be in victory lane, hopefully. Right? <laughs> I'll be amazing. Uh, <laughs> make sure to log on to NBCSports.com slash NASCAR. Touche, Parker Kugerman. We'll be back Tuesday at 5 p.m. Eastern. Thanks so much for watching. We'll see you tomorrow. This Father's Day, the Home Depot has same-day delivery on the perfect gift to help dad be everything he can be. Because your dad is more than just a dad. He's groundskeeper of the yard, the perfecter of the patio, and the cleaner of the clippings. 
Let the Home Depot help power dad's doing with the convenience and gas-like power of Milwaukee cordless outdoor tools. Plus, get up to $150 off select Milwaukee tools. For everything dad is, find the perfect gift at the Home Depot. How doers get more done. Order select and stock items by 4 p.m. subject to availability.